morning. Good to see you all this morning. You look good. You must have had a good week. And if you didn't, don't tell me. No, I'm just teasing. Hey, real quick, before the message this morning, just a reminder about our Wednesday night Bible study. We've been having uh, good turnouts on Wednesday since we started back up the 1st of August. Uh, Over here in the cafeteria across the uh, campus, Uh, at least that's where the adults meet. We're uh, going through the life of Abraham, learning to live by faith. And uh, don't forget also, we have our youth meet Wednesday night. We have stuff for the children on Wednesday night. So the whole family can come and be a part of our Wednesday refuel uh, time on on Wednesday evening. Also, uh, if you haven't been by the property... Seeing the church being built, I'd encourage you to go by. It's, it's getting there. Our goal is that, you know, sometime around the first of the year, maybe, you know, no guarantees, but that maybe we can start out the new year. Wouldn't that be nice to start out the new year in our new facility? Yeah, it would be great. That would be awesome. So continue to keep the project in your prayers. We've got a lot of stuff to land in these next few months. And hopefully, Lord willing, we can, we can uh, see that finished and we can, we can get in there and, and start using it again, or using it for the first time. So this morning, I'm going to start a 13-week series. It's hard to believe we just finished a six-month series on the Holy Spirit. But this morning, I want to start a 13-week series in the book of 2 Corinthians. So if you'll turn to 2 Corinthians, Paul's second letter to the Corinthians and chapter 1. We're going to just take, there's 13 chapters, so we're just going to look at each chapter uh, for the next 13 Sunday mornings. And uh, I believe that God strategically led me to this series at this particular time because if you had to put one word as sort of a summation or title of what the letter of 2 Corinthians is about, it's about ministry. It's about service. If our Wednesday night uh, Bible study is learning to live by faith, then our Sunday study is learning to be a servant. Because you and I were saved by Jesus Christ, not only to be brought into a right relationship with God, but we were saved to serve. I mean, from cover to cover in the Bible, you can't escape the message that we are called by God, not just, again, into a relationship and into fellowship with Him, but we are called to be servants. I mean, go to the Old Testament where Joshua looks at the people of Israel and says, choose you this day who you will serve. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Jesus himself said, The Son of Man did not come to this earth to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And when Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, got up from that table where he had observed the the communion with his followers and put on that towel of a servant, and got down and washed his disciples' feet. He says, as I have done this to you, now you go 
and you live that way towards others. And then we learn through the parables of Jesus how important it is to live a life of service to God because in several of the parables that Jesus gives, what is his sort of final inspiration and motivation to us who are followers of Christ to live a life of service? To be able to hear him say to us when we see him one day, well done, good and faithful, what? Servant. Servant. See, God says, I I expect those who have been redeemed, those who have been forgiven, those who have been brought into a right relationship with me to learn to live to be a servant. And so throughout these next 13 weeks, I think God just wants us. I I believe we are a church of service. And and most of you just, you live your life in service. But I think God wants us to just say, I want to take you up to another level. I want you to consider now some other things and just continue to add to your life and, and, and ministry as a church of, of serving others and learn even more about what it means to be a servant. So I'm excited for this series. I, I hope you will be as well. The first thing I want us to see this morning, though, is that Paul is talking here to the Corinthians about the reality of our troubles Just follow along with me as I read the first couple of verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. From Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to the church of God that is in Corinth, with all the saints who are in all Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. There's his greeting. Now he gets to this. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us, notice, in all our troubles. And then he even says in verse 5, For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow toward us, so also our comfort through Christ overflows to you. Paul is telling these Christians in Corinth, as well as us, that if we live in this world, our life is going to have trouble. The word means to experience distress and anguish and pain and and suffering. It, It amazes me how many Christians have either been taught wrongly, unbiblically, or or somehow cooked up their own concept in their mind as a Christian, that if I become a follower of Christ, and especially if I seek to live my life as a servant, I won't have any trouble. That my life should go easy, right? And Paul is reminding the Corinthians, that's just not reality. Even as Stephen pointed out in his prayer there, Living in this world is not the way God intended it to be. Let's not forget, this earth is under the curse of sin. Creation itself is groaning, Paul says in Romans 8. And you and I are sinners. We may be redeemed, blood-bought sinners, but we're still sinners. And we live in a world with a bunch of sinners. So guess what? There's going to be trouble. There's going to be problems. The Bible says, though our outward man is going to perish, the inward man can be renewed day by day. And it is appointed unto 
Man wants to die so that from the time we are born, our bodies start to decay and to deteriorate. And somehow, we as Christians have to wrap our minds around that reality. Our mortality and the fact that every day we live in this world. And if we live in this world for any extended period of time... We're going to have trouble in our life. We're going to have distress. We're going to have anguish, you see. And Paul makes that very, very clear here. But if that's where the message stopped, it could be pretty discouraging. But notice in this message of reminding us of the reality of our troubles, Paul also says, but... I want you to see, Christian, the blessing of God's comfort. Because notice what he says in verse 3. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Notice that Paul is saying... The comfort of God doesn't come by keeping us from trouble because in a sense, the only way to do that is to take us out of the world. To remove us from this planet. But he does say, but the comfort of God will meet us right in our troubles. Think about the story of Daniel's friends from the book of Daniel in the Old Testament where they would not bow to the graven image of Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuchadnezzar got so angry that he threw them into the fiery furnace and the Bible says when he looked in there he didn't just see Daniel's three friends walking around he saw one like the son of God walking with them as I've said many times and I remind myself God will not keep us from the fire, but does promise His presence with us in the fires of life. And notice what Paul says to us. First of all, he says that God is the Father of mercies. The word means compassion. He reminds us of the deep feelings that God has for all of us. As we've talked about even through our series on the Holy Spirit, God is not detached from us. God is not removed from us. He placed God, the Holy Spirit, literally inside of us so that everything you and I go through, God goes through it with us. And then he goes on to say, God is not just the God of some comfort. He says, God, our God is the God of all comfort. So no matter what kind of comfort I need, no matter what kind of consolation, no matter what kind of refreshment or encouragement, God is right there with us and He as God can provide the exact comfort I need. Not only that, but by reminding us that God is the God of all comfort, He is telling us that God will dispense His comfort to us and it will exceed whatever our trouble is. It will more than be enough to match whatever trouble, suffering, pain, distress you and I go through as followers of Christ. He is the God of all comfort who comforts us in not just some of our troubles. Notice again the word all. And as I've said again many times here at the Oasis, all means all, and that's all all means. 
So when the Bible says he is the God of all comfort and that he comforts us not just in some of our troubles, but in all of our troubles, then Paul is saying to the Corinthians, you realize there's not any kind of trouble, any kind of affliction, any kind of anguish or pain or suffering that you and I go through that somehow God's comfort will not be able to be there in it. During it. Helping us to get through it, you see. Again, not by keeping us from it, but by actually taking us through whatever it is that we are going through that's causing us this pain. Whatever the trial is. He provides for us the God of all comfort. Now you say... That's great. Uh, But I thought that this study in 2 Corinthians was about ministry and learning to be a servant. So how does the reality of, of the troubles that I deal with in life and even the the uh blessing of God's comfort, how does that affect me or or impact me in being a servant? Well, in this passage. There are several so that statements. They start out with the English words so that. And let me just throw this out at this point. When you're reading the Bible and you see those two little words so that, almost always it points us to the purposes of God within something. So that you and I should take note so that, okay, that's telling me that there's there's a purpose coming. I'm, I'm going to see why things are the way that they are. And I want to direct your attention, first of all, then, to verses 8 and 9, where we see the first that I want you to see of these so that statements that impacts our service. Paul himself said, I want to share with you my own testimony or remind you of something, Corinthians. We do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, 2 Corinthians 1.8, regarding the affliction that happened to us in the province of Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our own strength so that we despaired even of living. Think about it. Paul said, I was actually at a point myself where I said, I, I don't think we can go on anymore. I, I, I think that what's ahead is simply... Death for all of us. It's that bad. Indeed, he said, we felt as if the sentence of death, verse 9, had been passed against us. But now notice the second half of the verse. So that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Paul said, let me tell you something. One of the purposes of our pain in this life is that every time a trial, a tribulation, a a time of of anguish and suffering and, and all of that comes into our life as a Christian, it is an opportunity for us to trust in God and to see our faith in Him grow and increase. Now, it obviously can also be an opportunity for resentment, for bitterness, for anger, for discouragement. It it can be that as well. 
But you and I have the choice. And Paul is saying, Christian, let's not forget that when the troubles come, and they will because that's the reality of life, you and I can take that opportunity right there just like we did in Asia when we thought we were done. Our lives were over. This was so beyond us, so much bigger than us, that we had to learn to rest in the sovereignty of God and to have confidence in Him and who He has revealed Himself to be and in His love for us. And Paul says that was the purpose that you and I can always see in each and every pain that you and I will go through in life. See, one of the things that this is revealing to us is that there's never anything purposeless in our lives. Never. A Christian should never say, I don't know why I went through that. Because I'll tell you, if for no other reason you and I went through those things in order, just like Paul, to learn to trust not in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. You see, when you and I go through really painful circumstances, it should remind us, first of all, we're not God. We're not in control. Because sometimes even as human beings, even as Christians, we can begin to think, I can control my life. I can control everything that happens around me and what's taking place. And and sometimes something comes into our life that reminds us, no, we're not as big and all of that as we think within the scheme of the universe. That there are things much bigger than us at play here. And no matter how hard we try, we're not in control. But we know a God who is. And we can learn to rest in His sovereignty even though we're not in control. We can also learn not to put total trust in ourselves because you and I, in each and every situation, again, we can only do so much. We're finite. But God is infinite. And notice Paul goes on to say that. He says, I trusted God so much that even if He allowed us to die, I know that God is so amazing that if God didn't want me to die at that point, God could raise me from the dead. Because God has the last word. God is the one who defines our life. God is the one who can define each and every situation. Not me. So I've got to learn in each and every situation not to ultimately not only trust in myself, I've got to learn in each and every situation not to ultimately trust in others either because guess what? <laughs> They'll disappoint us <laughs> too. They, they can't always be there. They can't always do what we need done, but God can. God is the one who can provide all comfort in all of our troubles. No other human being can do that. We can't even do that for ourselves. And so Paul is saying, there's the reality of troubles in our life. But there is also the blessing of God's comfort that comes into play with each and every troubled period that you and I go through in our lives. And that there's always a purpose to our pain. And one of those purposes, according to the Bible, is for us to learn, to learn not to trust in ourselves, 
to think that we can be in control of everything, but to learn to have confidence and trust ultimately and rest in the sovereign God who can raise the dead, who has the last word, you see. So maybe even here today, some of you are going through a season in your life where you got to make that choice. You're going through trouble right now. And you can say, I can choose to receive the comfort that God wants to give me that is adequate. It will strengthen me. It will refresh me. It will console me. And I can learn to trust in Him or I can resent that this has come into my life. I can get bitter. I can get angry. I can become discouraged and filled with hopelessness and despair. The choice is up to us. But Paul wants to tell the Corinthians, when you go through the same things that I've went through as an apostle of Jesus Christ, I hope you learn to not trust in yourselves, but to learn to trust in a God who raises the dead. But there's another purpose for our pain. Again, one that every last one of us, no matter what we go through, it can become a, a great purpose in our lives, and it certainly is something that ties into learning to be a servant, and that is back up in verse 4. But I'm going to start again in verse 3. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that, there's those two words, we may be able to comfort those experiencing any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Paul says, do you realize, Christian, that one of the purposes in you and I going through our own pain of life and, and receiving the comfort that God gives us in order to strengthen us and refresh us and encourage us to get through that pain and trial and tribulation and trouble is so that then God can use us in a much greater and more effective way to come alongside others as He came alongside us to be able at some point to strengthen them and to encourage them and bring comfort into their life because I can look across from them and they can look across from me and they know I get it. I mean, let's, let's take ourselves. Would you rather, if you're going through a really difficult time in your life, would you rather sit across from a counselor or a friend or a pastor or somebody who never had any trouble in their life? Never went through any pain, nothing ever happened to them, and you're going through a real hard time. Can they relate? Will they have any empathy or sympathy for you? Absolutely not. But sit across from somebody a fellow Christian, a friend, a family member, a pastor, a counselor who's been through pain just like you've been through, and all of a sudden you, all, you automatically feel sort of a, a kindred spirit there because you know they can relate with what you're feeling. 
They can empathize. They can sympathize with what you are going through. And that can bring you comfort just having them there to say, I know what you're feeling. I have seen it over and over in my life where God has allowed me as a pastor to be a better pastor if I chose to be because of the things that I went through that helped me to relate to others and sympathize with others and empathize with others on a greater level. And let me just give you one example, and you've heard this before from me. I became a pastor. I was ordained into the gospel ministry when I was 23 years old. And from the time I was 23 to 29, I I did several funerals and memorial services. And I, it wasn't that I wasn't sincere or genuine. I mean, I, I, I certainly wanted to provide comfort and hope to these families and, and to these friends who, who were grieving the loss of a loved one. And I, I felt like I did the best I could under the circumstances. But it wasn't until my own father died when I was 29 years old. Not only was he my father, I still to this day think he was the greatest man I've ever met. And it was when he died that I realized after that I never had someone so close to me die before. And after I went through my own grieving time of my father, I realized how my ministry changed after that. And how when someone in my church had someone pass away, how I came alongside of them and it looked a little bit different than it used to between the time I was 23 and 29. And how my message in my funerals and memorial services even changed after that. And why was that? Because I could literally look across from somebody who had lost somebody so dear to them and I could relate to them and they could understand. Pastor Jeff gets it. He understands that deep pain of losing someone so close. Folks, that is one of the purposes of our pain. It's not just so we can learn to not trust in ourselves, but in a God who raises the dead. But it also gives us a power, a capacity, an ability to be able to serve others in such a greater way than we ever could before. It gives us a greater platform to be able to serve others. Because the more that you and I go through, the more that we can relate relate and empathize and sympathize and come alongside others and be used in their lives to comfort them with the comfort that God comforted us with. And that's what it means to learn to be a servant. Because so many Christians, when something bad comes into their life, we can choose to resent it and ask God why. Or we can say at that moment, God, I might not know why, but I know this. I know there's at least two purposes that I automatically can see by you allowing this to come into my life. One is, here's an opportunity for me, instead of getting resentful and bitter and angry, I can choose to realize that this is an opportunity for me to increase my faith in you and to learn to trust you. And secondly... I can learn that this situation 
now is going to give me a power. That's what the word able means. In verse 4, look at it. He says, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we may be able. It means to possess a greater power, an ability, a greater capacity to be able to comfort others. Each and every trouble that you and I endure gives us not only a greater power, but like there, a greater platform. And that's why it's such a shame for us as Christians to sort of like hide our troubles and hide our scars of life because somehow maybe we bought into the fact that, that somehow we feel ashamed of the fact that we've struggled so through something or that, that, that we were so, you know, dealing with something like that. Whenever the Bible says, you realize if in an appropriate way, obviously, and do the appropriate people, if you and I share those scars, that gives us a greater platform to be able to minister to others. Yeah, it might be humbling, but look at the people that God can bring our way when you and I are not ashamed of the troubles and struggles that we've went through, but we verbalize those at times to share with people so that, ah, I remember he went through that or she went through that. I'm going to give him a call or I'm going to see him at church on Sunday and see if we can maybe do a cup of coffee together. Again, you've heard me say this. But for years I struggled with anxiety until God delivered me of that. And ever since then, in fact, it was even while I was gaining victory over that through the Lord that God said, Jeff, you're going to have many people that I'm going to bring to you throughout the rest of your life who struggle with anxiety. And you're going to be able to do what Paul said to the Corinthians. You're going to be able to sit across from them at a time when they were hopeless and a time when they thought, I can't, I'm I'm never going to be able to beat this. This is going to be a part of my life for the rest of my life. And you're going to be able to sit across from them and say, I have been where you are and I can tell you there is hope in Jesus Christ. And that His power can help us to overcome each and everything that keeps us from being all that He created us to be and wants us to be. And if God can do that in my life, He can do that in your life. And I can't tell you I've lost count of the number of people that I have sat across from in the years since then and said those very things to. It's exactly what Paul's saying here. That's how you and I learn to be a servant. Is that we don't hide our scars and we don't hide our struggles. That we share them so that others may hear And if they then go through a similar experience, they know that there's a brother or sister in Christ that they can call on whom they can sit across from and who will relate and empathize and sympathize with their struggle and be able to give them some comfort, some strength, some refreshment to be able to keep moving on and realizing that our God is the God of all comfort And He'll bring you through it. You may not 
Think that right now, but He will bring you through it. Because even though we have the reality of our troubles in life, we also have the blessing of God's comfort as His servants. And we have the purpose of all of our pain in life. Paul says, every pain that you and I go through, is an opportunity to increase our faith and trust in God and rest in His sovereignty. And every pain that you and I go through in life is an opportunity for you and I to increase both our ability and capacity and platform to be able to serve and minister to others. And can I say also, uh, I'll say it this way, One of the things that you'll see a little bit differently about the Oasis Church, maybe from other churches, is that we don't try to have ministries and, and service for everything and everybody. Because though some churches choose to go that route, in my years of experience in ministry, what I have seen is that churches that try to have a service and ministry for everybody and everything in their church ends up being a mile wide and an inch deep. God always impressed upon me, you take care of the depth of your ministry and I'll take care of the breadth. And that's not only true of us individually, that's true of us as a church. So what I would rather do as the pastor of the church, instead of us trying to have a ministry and service opportunity for everybody and everything, Let's you and I primarily focus on making sure that all of us go deeper with God and really grab a hold of God to grow us. Because then, as Paul says, a church doesn't need to have a formal comforting ministry because we could never keep up with it anyway, nor could we wrap our arms around it. It's too much. It's too great. It's too expansive, too, too out there. But knowing that Everybody now in that church is learning to be a servant. And no matter then what neighborhood, what school you go to, what where place of business or work you, you are employed at, no matter where your family and friends and everything are, you always know, I have a ministry. Because everywhere you and I go, we can be a minister in each and every situation. Because there's always opportunities for us to come alongside of others who are right there beside of us and comfort them with the comfort that you and I were comforted by God with. I had an opportunity just this past week sitting at the coffee shop in Gilbert, which, by the way, if you want to see me pretty much come by there during the week, I'll probably be there on and off. And I saw this gal sitting there and she was like mid-20s, 25, 26 years old, and she had her Bible open. And as I've told you before, I just love to encourage fellow Christians when I see them reading or studying their Bible. So I just went over and said, hey, I love to see that you're into the Word. I said, I just want to encourage you. You just keep it up. She looked up at me and smiled, and we began a conversation. I found out that her father is a pastor here in the East Valley. And they're meeting, and they've been meeting at a school. And she said, before the conversation ended, she said, can I ask you to pray about something, Pastor Jeff? And I said, absolutely. What, what could I pray 
for you for. And she said, would you pray for my dad and the leadership of our church? Because they're very discouraged right now. Because they've been in this church for, or in this school for so many years, and they want to be where you are. They, they want their own piece of land and be able to build their own building, and God just hasn't opened up the opportunity, that door yet, and they're getting discouraged. So I sat back down, and I just tried to share with her some encouragement that she could take back to her dad, and then I said, I want to get together with your dad. I said, I believe that God doesn't do anything by accident. And that God wanted us to meet today and have this conversation so that, because I said, there were many days here at Basha High School where I thought, we're going to meet at Basha till Jesus comes. <laughs> we're never going to get our own building. But guess what? God said, Jeff, this is an opportunity for you to trust your God. Are you going to trust, and are you going to trust the timing of it? Are you going to trust that because it's out of your control, Jeff? And you can sit there and you can continue to, you know, wrangle over it and be filled with all this angst and everything, or you can rest in your God. I love you, Jeff, and I love the Oasis Church and everybody there. And I will provide for you that piece of property and that building for you at just the right time. So I shared that struggle with her and was able to get together and, and I hope encourage her, her father. But that's what Paul's talking about. That's what it means to learn to be a servant. It's not hide the struggles and scars that we've went through ourselves, but to realize God brought us through these things so that we in turn could be used to comfort others. I'll leave you with one more. And again, you've heard this before. Many of you who've come here long enough. My own parents. I grew up in a home that got this concept. And I grew up with parents who instilled it in me because, as many of you know, I had a brother and sister who died before I was ever born of a rare blood disease. My brother died when he was four years old. My sister died when she was two. My parents buried two children. And yet, instead of getting bitter... Instead of getting resentful, instead of getting angry, my parents chose to trust, not in themselves, but in a God who raises the dead. And my parents were used for many, many, many years in our hometown to come alongside of other parents who had lost children because that is a, an acute pain that unless you have went through it as a parent, you really can't understand how acute that pain is. And my parents were able to minister to couples all over that area and be able to help them to get through such an acute, painful time in their life because those other couples knew, this couple that's talking to me, they can understand the pain that we're going through right now. They can relate. 
they can empathize. They can sympathize. And folks, you and I, if we learn to be a servant of Jesus Christ, can learn there's never a pain in our life that's not purposeless. I don't know what you have went through like I have personally went through in your life, in my life, but I know this. You can turn that around and you can allow that to give you a greater capacity, a greater empathy, a greater sympathy, a greater ability to relate to others who go through the same thing that you go through and to learn to be a servant of Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me as we pray? God, I pray today that you and I, as his servants, will just learn to trust in the purposes of God. And that, God, we will learn to minister to one another and serve one another. by having the experience of going through troubles in our life where we have experienced your great comfort, your, your sufficient comfort to get us through the most difficult times in our life. And yet, God, know that when we come out the other side, we have a greater ability to trust you and we have a greater ability to minister and serve others. to be able to put our arm around them and weep with them and bear one another's burdens that you call us to do. So God, I pray today that we would just grab a hold of you, grab a hold of your comfort and your refreshment and your strength for each of us today who may be going through deep trouble, maybe even like Paul where we even despaired of living life And yet we knew, God, in our hearts that your comfort was enough. And God, I pray that we, instead of being so self-focused, would look around at the opportunities we have each and every day to bring comfort and encouragement to others who are hurting And that, God, we just might wrap ourselves around them as well. Help us to be reflections of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, before we sing our last song, let me say this. Paul ends this passage by also saying, We have set our hope on Him, God, that He will deliver us yet again as you also join in helping us by prayer so that many people may give thanks to God on our behalf for the gracious gift given to us through the help of many. I didn't touch on this this morning, but there's another provision here besides the comfort of God and the comfort of fellow Christians, and that is the prayers of God's people. And here's an opportunity for you and I literally to flesh out the message today, that we can come alongside of others who are in need of prayer right now And we can be helping them by joining in and praying with them and praying for them. So what I'd like to do during our last song, and we've done it here before, is if any of you would be willing to say, I want to let my brothers and sisters know that I need their prayers right now, 
And I'm going to put my hand up with some of you as the body of Christ, as the feet and hands and and eyes and ears and mouthpieces of Jesus. Would you just come around those people who raise their hands and would you just would you just encourage them through praying for them right now? Hands up, anyone at all. And as we sing, let's be the body of Christ to one another. Let's gather around one another and let's pray for one another today.